Hi, you're listening to the Raise the Vibe with Liz podcast. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. I interview today's inspirational speakers and healers. Thank you for listening to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. I have Jenny Schiltz today from Colorado. Jenny is a quantum, multidimensional healer and intuitive guide. She works with the body's energy to see where there is dysfunction and then work to release it. This can be trauma, beliefs, programming from this life, past lives, the inner child, shadow aspects, and even things that present as physical issues. She works within the quantum field to unravel programming, limitations, and beliefs that keep people trapped and looping. Helping people to see and understand why they do what they do or why they feel a certain way. This acknowledgement and understanding of programming is a first step towards deep, lasting change. She teaches people how to ease their energetic field, create healthy boundaries, and open to their own highest aspect and abilities. Jenny, welcome to the show. So happy to have you. you. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I was really grateful when you reached out and it just felt really right to connect in this way and to share stuff. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So why don't you go ahead and start about where your abilities manifested. I understand that you were actually an awakened child. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I came in very awake. Um, Some could say too awake. You know, I used to see everything. It was whether it was elementals or spirits or, you know, it didn't matter what it was. I was actually seeing galactics. I just didn't know that they were galactics until later on in life. And it was a constant, it was a constant communication. And it was interesting because I never felt alone. I was either talking to the clouds or the trees. It was nonstop. Um, and then, you know, it was like my grandfather was involved very heavily with me in those early years and he also had gifts, but he hid them. He was, there was a lot of fear around it. There was, he would always tell me, he said, it's okay. You can talk to me about it, but don't share it with anybody else. It's not safe. Don't share it. Don't share it. And when he died, when I was eight, it was like, man, the walls just crashed in on me because it was like. I had no one to talk to and how, you know, this really imaginative kid who was, you know, constantly connecting and all of a sudden none of the adults in my world understood. And I mean, there was even time I had this conversation with my parents and I just remember saying, no, really it's real. And, you know, coming from a very Catholic background, there was that church fear to begin with. And then it added in just the fear of what if my kid's crazy? And so, you know, my dad said, he said, do I need to get a straitjacket so that you can put it on and see where you're headed? And it was really, yeah, yeah it was really interesting because then it was like, I literally shut everything down. And I mean, hard to the point where if you had asked me if any of it was true, I would have told you no. I would have told you I made it all up. Wow. And it was this protection mechanism I created. And we do that. We build the walls around ourselves. We build that protection and it's how we survive. But then there comes a point in time where it's actually inauthentic. And then the world starts to crash and crumble to bring in authenticity. Right. And so for me, 
you know, I went through, you know, my 20s and I was always kind of interested in spiritual work. I never considered myself having any spiritual abilities. Um, but I always considered that there was connection. You know, I was still the type of kid that would talk to the flowers. I just didn't talk back. <laughs> and, you know, I tried to be really normal. I really did. I tried. You know, I was a health advocate. I was the PTA treasurer. You know, I was just on this gerbil wheel, just going and going and going, trying to live up to society's ideals. But it didn't work. It just didn't work. I had fibromyalgia. I had depression. And I didn't understand any of it. Like, why? Why was I always feeling like something was just not okay? Even though externally, I'm in a happy marriage. I had two children. You know, everything looked okay. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And then I had this incredible experience. And I say incredible now. At the time, I was not saying incredible. I got hit head on by a drunk driver. And it broke my back. So I went into a spinal fusion and I was home. And I got to see my children who, you know, one was in middle school, one was still in elementary school. And I kind of really saw how that gerbil wheel I was on, I was missing it with them. There was so much I didn't get. So that time period of being home and recovering really was very eye-opening. But my programming to get back on that German wheel was really hard. And I went back to work, but it was a modified. It was working from home until I went out to teach. So it was a little better, a little better. But I could see where I was going back to sleep in many ways. I can see that now, you know, the hindsight's 2020 thing going on. And so eventually, you know, I had another baby during that four-year period. And the spinal fusion failed. And I can look at so many things in my life, how things lined up. And one of the things was that spinal fusion failing because I had taken one of the kids to the doctor and I had done something with my eyes or something the way I was walking. And the doctor says, there's something going on with you. And he did a basic neurological testing. He's like, you need to get to a neurosurgeon now. He makes a phone call. I was it was rural. I was on a farm at the time. And I literally drove the hour and a half that afternoon into the neurosurgeon's office who did a bunch of scans. And he says, the bone graft broke loose from the spinal fusion and was slicing. It had sliced my cerebral fluid column and it was right near my spinal cord. Wow. And I was in surgery within 24 hours. And it was like a huge crash, you know, cause I'm like, there was the pain and everything of the first spinal fusion, the drugs. I mean, can we just talk about the drugs? I mean, I, I, I literally, I joke with my older girls and I call those my drug years because I don't remember much. And, you know, whether it was, you know, whether it was the painkillers or it was the nerve pills, I mean, it just, it just didn't end. So I wound up going from surgery into a nursing home because it was, significant rehab at that point. You know, they had said to myself, my husband, we got our toes moving. So we call it a success. And he's like, holy crap, wait a minute. How did I even get here? And part of the reason people would say, well, how did you walk around like that? I wasn't in my body. I wasn't grounded. I wasn't here. I was so busy 
outside the body, living up to whatever expectations I had put into my own head that I wasn't connected to this body, this vessel. And it almost paralyzed me. But how many of us do that? Yeah. You know, and it's because there's things that were not congruent within. So it's uncomfortable to be in the body. Mm -hmm. So we pop out, we don't ground, and then we don't feel. So in the nursing home, I had gotten a spinal infection. And I knew I was essentially, my husband calls it circling the drain, that it was a huge choice point in my life. And I can remember looking down at my body. And it was interesting because all the dogs we had ever had, every single one that I had had from a kid and marriage, they were all wrapped around me, all of them. It was like I was cocooned by dogs. But I could stare at my body, cocooned by dogs, and I would walk around the nursing home and I was conversing nonstop with some of the residents, you know, I would say earthbound spirits that were there at the time, you know, and, and so that was neat. But then it was like what came in was Archangel Michael, Mother Mary, Jesus. And I'm kind of going, huh, well, this is new. <laughs> like, what is this? And they said to me, you have a choice. You can go or you can stay. But if you stay, here's what we're asking from you. And what they were asking was to awaken, to teach, to really step into everything that I am. Not that I'm there yet. It's a process. Yeah, and yeah. it's literally, it's been a decade. It's been a decade since that happened. Now, at that point, my husband got the clue that something was really, really wrong with me. And he lost his mind at that nursing home and had me shipped to another one because it was literally an infection due to poor care. Wow. And so I, I do firmly believe that if he said that I texted him, I don't have any recollection of texting him. Um, and it was, you know, texting him like, I'm, I'm going to die. You've got to save me. And so he did. He got me out of there, shipped me to another nursing home where the healing then really began. And another, you know, little pinpoint on the journey is in the second nursing home, somebody came in to offer Reiki. And I had no idea what Reiki was. And so she's like, well, do you, do you mind? It's the energy here. I'm like, no, absolutely. Go ahead. And I could feel where she was in the body. And I would say to her, I'm like, oh, I can feel you working here. I can hear you feel you working there. And she just would kind of look at me. And then she moved to a different area. And she said she literally tested me. So she moved to a different area, but was literally etherically working at a different spot. And while her hand is in one spot, I could feel her working in a different spot. And when I told her, she just stopped. And she said, there's no way you could, you could feel me unless you're a healer. She's like, you have got to open this up. She said, it will heal you. It was never the thought even then of even everything after, you know, Jesus and the angels and Mary had said to me, it still wasn't a thought in my mind that I would ever work with other people with this type of stuff. But it was the incentive for me was you can heal you. So as soon as I could, you know, I, I literally spent a summer in the nursing home regaining strength. And then I was able to come back home and it was a difficult time. I had an 18 month old at home. Wow. So you can imagine what that's like. I mean, thankfully my older girls, there was a 14 age difference. So they took care of the baby, but, um, you know, it, 
I, as soon as I could, I then learned Reiki. And then that just shifted everything. And then, but I mean, truth be told, I was still on a lot of pharmaceuticals. I was still in a lot of pain. Um, and I had been, it was the, it was 2011. I was outside. We had outbuildings on this farm and I had set up like a wrapping station. It was around Christmas time. And I'm outside and all of a sudden I'm, I was listening to Eckhart Tolle, the, the new earth on tape. So I was already kind of on my journey, right? I'm already figuring stuff out and it came through so clear. You need to move to Colorado. And if you don't, you're going to die. Wow. And it came through not as a fear. It was a knowing. I heard it, but I knew it. I knew it from every ounce of my being. My husband comes walking into the shop and I said, we're moving to Colorado. <laughs> He's like, what? And I said, you don't understand. I said, I have to move to Colorado. And I said, and if I don't, I am not destined for a long life. And so he's like, he didn't know what to say to me. And I said, I'm going with or without you, I'm going. And I said, but I really, really want you to go. And so he goes, what if we go out for Christmas? He goes, we have, you know, the kids are off during this time. What if we go for Christmas? Well, we went, we fell in love with Colorado. We moved that July. The minute I hit Colorado, um, this area in Colorado Springs that I'm at, the mountains are full of quartz, which is a magnifier. And it's one of my favorite, absolutely favorite crystals. And so it magnified everything. So I went through blast awakening, just absolute blast awakening. Um, But even then, I still wasn't, I don't know, confident, secure, trusting. I don't know what the right word is. Mm -hmm. And it literally took my grandfather, who I hadn't seen in all these years, popping up in my third eye and saying, cut it out. Stop, stop thinking anyone else is more than you and, and, you know, really start focusing on your abilities. And I, I just looked at him and he goes, I was so wrong to tell you not to share it. He said, there was reasons I did that. He said, but now you have to share. You have to start sharing. And I was, I was absolutely terrified. Terrified. Yay, grandpa. Right. Um, and, and so then, you know, my husband comes home from work and I'm like, so this thing happened today (laughs) and here he is. I mean, by this point, he's been through so much with me, you know, and, and I had detoxed, I had been in Colorado at that point for a year and detoxed off all the pharmaceuticals, which was in itself really, really quite a journey. Um, and so he's like, well, what does this mean? I'm like, I don't know, but everything's going to change. And he said, well, are you still going to love me? Yes. Are we still going to be married? Yes. And he goes, then, okay, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And that's how this all got started. And then I just really began to heal myself. And every single time, um, you know, I would do something. It was like, they kept telling me, write it down. You need to teach this. Write it down. You know, it's important. Keep the notes. And I would say I probably, I was in bed for a couple of years. And nonstop work, work on healing the inner child, work on healing my shadow, the past lives, the, you know, just understanding what does it mean to be an empath? And at that stage, you wouldn't catch me going to the store. I could do the grocery store, but I couldn't do the mall. I couldn't go to Walmart. I couldn't go to Target, which was really hard when you have teenage girls, Mm -hmm. you know, and I look back, I'm like, 
I didn't go prom dress shopping because of what it would have done to me energetically. And so I learned through, you know, that fire and that, you know, just confusion of how do you handle an energetic body? How do you handle it so I can function in this world? And so and that's what they taught me. And it, I mean, it's been an absolutely amazing, magical journey. That's an incredible story, Denny. Gosh, thank you for sharing that. And you can see we're at right place, right time, right place, right time. Coincidence, synchronicity, you know, moving yeah. you down the path. Absolutely. You know, you were experiencing everything that you were experiencing was bringing, bringing step by step, following the breadcrumbs where you are right now. Now you yeah. learned all of that through self-healing and yeah. now you use all of that information to help others. Can you explain what is, you know, your term quantum healer and what does it encompass? You mentioned a few of it, but can you explain a little bit more. Well, for me, um, and I, I tend to be the type of person I do things my way, <laughs> but I can look at someone's field and sometimes it will dissect into 20, 30 versions of them. And so I just kind of look at it and go, oh, I see there's the past life connection to this. And because of this past life, this is why the inner child, where you brought it into this life and it's spinning because there's always a connection. If you have a past life cord, there's something in this life that you're working out. And for many of us here, we're on what I call the culmination life. It is where we have done this thing nine ways to Sunday. We have gone around the circle and gone around the circle exploring whatever the issues are. And so this life might have been about insecurity. And this one might have been about, you know, maybe you were a thief. Oh, this one could have been, oh, you know what? I was a doctor. Or, oh, there was this. Well, now in the life where you're taking everything, everything you've learned, all the things that harmed you, hurt you, everything, everything that's in that cellular memory, and we're healing it now. Because it has to be healed so that we can move on. Yes. And you know, one of the interesting things that has come out, I, I think, you know, sometimes for me, my life, everything that happens is designed to teach me. And I don't think that I'm that original. I think that's really all of us. It's whether or not we can look at it that way. Um, I recently had shingles pop up. Never had this before in my life. And I am like, how is this even possible? You know, I go to the naturopath, naturopath, like, I don't know how you got that. Your energy feels fine. I don't understand. So I started playing with shingles. And I know, and I'm, I'm laying in bed and, and I'm like, this is terrible. Like, you know, first thought was, what have I done wrong? Isn't that interesting? Look at that program that comes up. So then I saw that, had to work with that programming. But then they said to me, start time traveling. So I time traveled back to where I was 12 when I got chicken pox. Mm -hmm. And I went through that emotional, you know, I was supposed to go to sleep over, couldn't go. So I went through that. And they said, but you're not done. So then I time traveled all the way back to when I was two. And some of you all may remember this, when your parents would take you to chicken pox right? Because they wanted you to get chicken pox. But you don't get it when you're a teenager. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. Because if you, the older you are, the worse it gets. Mm -hmm. And so my sister and I were taken to a chicken pox party and she got chicken pox. I didn't. But that was the moment I dropped the boundary, the sovereign body boundary of chicken pox. 
which then can lead to shingles, right? Mm -hmm. Now, they said to me, they said, so you need to go back. You must go back to birth and reinstitute the boundaries that were dropped. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, here we are in a pandemic with a virus running around. And I pick up or I activate the shingles in me and you all are telling me it's about boundaries, not illness, boundaries. And how, you know, particularly when someone is in the authority figure, like a parent. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my mom's saying, oh, you want to get this. <laughs> you know, because she's like, look, I want two kids to have it at the same exact time. I was two, my sister was five, it'd be perfect. Um, but that was the moment that the boundaries went down. So what's fascinating is since that moment, I have quantumly been working with Epstein-Barr and you know this shingles and basically removing permissions nice and any of us can do this if you've got any type of chronic condition you need to figure out when did you give permission for that to be your reality oh dang that's huge it's huge it's huge and the clients i've seen with covid it's setting up from what i'm seeing it's setting up very similar to epstein Barr. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that, it's not just a virus. It's something that can be insidious in some people's bodies. And the more energy sensitive you are, the more it can really set up. But it is permissions. And when we look at shingles, what I understood about shingles was, and it's not fun. Shingles is terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Like absolutely horrible. I mean, but thankfully I had such a mild case, but it was enough to lead me to these understanding. But when you look at viruses, I know that technically they're not alive. Well, first off, everything is alive. So is my desk. Okay? Everything has consciousness. Everything is light. It's just how does it work in our world? But viruses can lead you to crave things. They can change your emotional field. They can... Um, you know, wreak havoc on the body, they change how the body communicates with itself. Okay. Mm -hmm. How is that any different than an attachment or something along those lines, which can shift you? It's not. So on this journey to sovereignty, to really claiming all that we are, how can you have something like that in your body? and really be whole and complete. You can't. Mm -hmm. So it is very much about reclaiming and saying, absolutely not. You have no permission to be in my field, to be in my body. You have no permission to replicate, none. And really drawing that hard line. Now what that can do in your body, I'll warn you, it's an energetic shitstorm for a while. Um, but it's, it's something that if you know that that's what you're doing, okay, I may not feel good, but that's all right because my body is expelling it. It's not going to have permission to live in my body. Right. And that's really, really important. With everything that's going on with COVID right now and the pandemic and everything that's streaming in, what's the connection between this and all of the energy that's opening up right now huge 
It's huge. Um, and part of it is that declaration of sovereignty mm. and us really claiming our rightful place in this world. Now, also, we look at this quarantine. What is this quarantine about? No matter what the thought is of where this virus started, was it released on purpose or not, was it man-made or not, at the bottom line, I'm not 100% sure spiritually that that matters. Mm -hmm. Because everything is going to be utilized by the light. Everything. It, everything can be shifted into our absolute highest good for the use of the absolute highest timeline. So to me, when I look at the energies coming in, what the Schumann resonance is doing at this time, it's a good thing we're locked down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <I know. laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And so when you look at what it's doing and what it's bringing up, and part of it is, I'm going to call it the yo-yo. So we've got this energy coming in, right? And we'll have these days where we're like, yes, this feels so good. I'm so connected. I love it. The world is beautiful. I love people. I love humanity. And then the next day you're like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? I don't feel good. And a lot of people may interpret that as a psychic attack. Sometimes it can be, but most of the time it's not. Most of the time what it is, is once you've raised your vibration, which is what happened when the energies came in and you felt so wonderful, mm -hmm. it then exposes that underlayer that needs clearing out. So if you can begin to expect that, to go, you know what, I feel really good. Okay, now let me pop into observation and see what happens in the world around me. What, is, what happens with my relationship? What what comes in to trigger me? Maybe it's a bill. Maybe it's something I'm seeing on social media or something I heard on TV. What is it? Because it's designed, I mean, truly, everything is designed to get you to heal, to trigger yourself so you can see it, so you can let it go, and you can move forward. So if you start looking at things that way, it almost becomes like a, like a, like a treasure hunt in many ways. It's like, all right, what's next? What do I need to see? You know, what do I need to understand? And, and sometimes you'll feel a little bipolar. You know what I mean? You'll just kind of feel like you're, you're two different people. And I call it my human and my spirit. So like the shingles, my human was mad. My human was like, are you kidding me? I cannot believe this happened. This hurts. This isn't fun. You know, this is terrible. And my spirit's like, learn from it. Move through it. And see what doors it opens. And it actually opened quite a lot because it brought in some understanding that I, I didn't have that is crucial for these time periods. Mm -hmm. So you see what I'm saying? So it really is. It's okay for you to be both. It's okay for you to be annoyed that you're on quarantine and we're locked down or that things aren't opened up and simultaneously be going, I need a break. Okay. Now I can some time to do me. Time to dive into who I am. You can be both. Right. And, and as a matter of fact, we, we need to be. Because anything less than accepting everything that's going on in here, anything less than full acceptance is inauthenticity. And inauthenticity hurts. When your mind and your heart are not aligned, it hurts. 
The body is anxious. You're stressed. You don't know why. And then the minute, the minute the adrenals start pumping, the mind goes, oh, well, let me give you reasons why the adrenals are pumping. See, you know what? You're worried about money. Oh, you're worried about your kid. Oh, you're worried about this. Oh, it's your relationship. And then it just spins, which is then the opportunity to shut it down, go back into the heart and kind of retreat inside, which is what we're all kind of learning to do. Right. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting time when it comes to that. You know, I see literally all the sides to it. And, and I, I am understanding all the different arguments. And I mean, I could probably give you lots of different scenarios with each of the arguments, but it all comes down to what's going on within you. Where are you with this? Yeah, let's talk about what's going on within us. So we've got all of the energy streaming in. We've got the astrological things going on. We've got everything else. And it's, like you said, the yo-yo. And one day you're high, the next day you're triggered. That trigger sends you into sadness. You're, then you're up again, you know, and it's going through the emotions like this. So let's talk about how the energy you know, comes into the pot, comes into the body, you know, increases the frequency and the energy of our spirit self, you know, right? And then our body has to catch up. We have yeah. to filter out all of these patterns and triggers and everything. Let's talk about that part. Okay. So at the bottom line, what you're talking about is DNA. Yes. It is all in your DNA. <laughs> What'd you say? Or our experiences, not only our DNA, you know, from generations of patterns and triggers and experiences, but present life, you know, triggers as well. Well, it's the understanding that everything that's in the DNA, okay, everything that is in there, because this is, the DNA is so intelligent and it literally reacts to our thoughts, which is based on everything that's going on around us and then it can replicate and keep going that way it's it's absolutely a fascinating thing when you start looking at that because when you look at the dna it, it creates the reality that we're in not a collective reality it's the personal reality that we're in okay unwrap that a little bit okay so let me see how, see how i can best describe this let me bring it down to your eyeballs okay mm -hmm. So your eyeballs are a lens that bring in a reality, okay? What you see is often determinant on what you've got going on within. And that's where it gets funky for people because people are like, wait a minute, no, 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 I saw that. Yes, yes, you did. But somebody else could have standing next to you, right next to you and seen something different. Mm -hmm. And it is determinant on what you've got going on inside and what you need to experience. Case in point, um, as far as experiences and it's going on, how do you shift? How do you feel? I ran to Costco during all of this craziness and I had a fantastic experience. It wasn't crowded. There, was, I, there wasn't any toilet paper, but there was everything else. There was, it didn't feel like there's any shortages other than toilet paper. Mm -hmm. No big deal. I get home by 5 p.m. My daughter goes out, and by 6.30, she's hysterical. There's nothing left. Costco's empty. So what, what do you mean Costco's empty? There is no way 
that that many people came flying through in the 90 minute span. It, it's not possible. They would have had to like have a swarm of bees. However, she was exceptionally fearful. She was very scared. She was very worried. Her experience, and I said to her, I said, well, is Costco full of people? No, it's empty. There's nothing left. And I was like, I've got you covered. I have enough. You know, we're fine. You, you don't have to worry. You know, I mean, she's, she's like, I don't even have, you know, room in my freezer because she's in a little apartment. And, and I'm like, you're fine. We've got you. You're fine. But her fear created that reality. Right. Two different experiences two different things based on what are the fears. Yeah, that's a great example. Right. And I mean, and you, you wouldn't believe it if you don't see it and go, wait a minute, it's just there. Like that. She's like, mom, there's no me. Honey, there's no way. And, and, and in my reality, there was still me because I went like a week later and it was me. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, but in her reality, there was lack. And she was so exceptionally fearful which I totally get. I totally get why people are fearful. And I mean, what it led to is we actually worked on a past life to where she died in Spanish flu. Yeah. So, and I was like, this is why you're so scared, you know, because, and it wasn't even so much that she died in Spanish flu. There was starvation prior to that. There was no food. So, you know, we had to work with that and then remove it. So that is in the DNA. Yes, we can call it past life. We can call it ancestral, but that still shifts it. It shifts her current reality now. Now, the DNA responds to the voice. So, you know, a lot of us might do mantras, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people do them in your head. I don't recommend that. I actually recommend you speaking them out loud. There's something very powerful to what you speak is then heard and brought into the body that way. Um, because it's, it's, I've kind of likened it to the fact that our minds are so busy, all these different thoughts constantly going, that if the DNA paid attention to every little thought, it'd be too much. But when we speak with intention, whether we connect in with the DNA and start speaking with it deliberately or we're doing a mantra, that's intention. And the DNA is like, what? What? Okay. And it starts to run with it. And as the DNA shifts, so too does your reality. So I'm hoping I'm making that clear. Is there a way that I can make it clearer? No, I think we're going down the right path. Yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, and it's also, you know, a lot of us have learned about Dr. Emoto's studies with the water mm-hmm. to where he's communicated with water, but it's, it's really the understanding you are 70% water. So if you are 70% water and I can take this glass and I can talk to it and I can bless it and I can make it so that it is perfectly in alignment with my body, with my mission, with my goals. You can do the same exact thing with the body and the water inside your body. Right. And that in turn continues to work in the entire, you know, DNA. Now I did have an interesting experience with this whole shingles thing. Um, they, they were showing me the DNA and they were showing it very much like a dragon. So I thought that was interesting because I've been working a lot with dragons and I said, okay, what do I need to do? And looks at me and he says, 
we're not organized. Your gallbladder does what it wants. Your kidneys does what it wants. There's no organization. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, what do you, you know, like, what is this? This is, this is insanity. But then it came over me and I understood and I was connecting in um, with my guidance team. And it's understanding that your body is the first spot of unity. It's the micro of unity. So instead of everything working independently, your systems, you got your endocrine system, you got your elimination system, they all seem to work independently. Part of our job is to communicate with the DNA, communicate with the water, communicate with the body so that everything works together. Is it individual? Of course. The kidneys are their own, but they need to work together with the liver in order for the body to work properly. So it's bringing it into a cohesive unit of oneness. And if we do that within our body first, it's a whole lot easier to understand how we do it out here. Mm -hmm. Because it's always, always, always going to be the micro into the macro and the macro into the micro. So there, it's this beautiful relationship. And if we start looking at ourselves that way, understanding that we are the micro of the universe, we can start shifting our thinking. Right. And not only within our bodies, but within our families. There's yeah. a version going on. Absolutely. Macro too, yeah. yeah. And it really does feel... Um, very much like it's, you know, it's the body, it's the individuals where you start and then it's okay. Let me look at my family. Where can we become cohesive? Then let me look at, you know, where is it in my life? Is it my job? Is it this? Is it that? And so, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, then you can understand how it becomes the, ma- the macro. Right. So it's really very fascinating what's happening, but part of what is happening with the energies now It is all about the body. It is all about the body. And it's interesting with, you know, we look at the older spiritual teachings of you're not your body. Well, that's accurate in a way. I'm not. Mm -hmm. Yet, it's my vehicle. And if I dismiss this body, if I don't love this body, if I don't hold this body, if I don't acknowledge the innate and divine intelligence of this body, it can't hold all that I am. Right. And so it's, it's a switch in the teachings because we are doing this in body mm-hmm. and that's new. It's new. So, you know, a lot of the speechings from teachings from before, it's not that they weren't accurate. It's that they're changing. We have to change this now. Yeah. How do and we it do is, the body? I'm sorry. How do we do this in the body? Right. And we cannot do it unless we start communicating with the body unless we start really interacting, unless we take complete control over the communication. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I know I had shared with you that I've got uh, a grandbaby yes. who is, um, I've got three, if you can, anyone can believe it. And so far, here we are, May of 2020, and I've had three grandbabies born. Like, how does that even happen? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been, it's been a very busy, interesting year. Well, the, the first one born, she was born on January 11th, mm-hmm. at 11, 11, my time. Like yeah. you, you can't make that up. Yeah. And she had started talking to me in utero. 
And so she was teaching me things and helping me to understand things, but I didn't know what to expect once she was actually anchored in here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the time, you know, she's in Turkey, I fly out to Turkey and she's 10 days old and I'm watching her and she's doing crunches, right? And she's screaming through them and I'm going, you need to calm down. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're, you know, you're really, you're a lot here. Like, what are you doing? And she says to me, she says, I have to take complete control of my body before someone else does. Okay. I said, what do you mean? And I mean, here she is, I kid you not, you know, 10 day old and it's a full conversation. Um, and what she was explaining to me is how from the moment we're born, we are purposely and passively programmed. Mm. So, whether it could be the programming from outside, it could be somebody else's fear that kind of gets in and does its, its work. Um, it could be expectations from parents, grandparents, all these different things. She right. said, people will tell me how tall I'm going to be. They're going to tell me how athletic. They will tell me what my hair will look like. They will do all this. I said, but isn't that all DNA? And she goes, yes, but who's in control of the DNA? And I'm like, huh. Oh, wow. So now you combine that with what we were talking about and what I learned later, months later, about viruses and boundaries and permissions. So what this child is doing, not that she's really a child, um, but, you know, because I think what's, what's happening is I'm really communicating with her highest aspect. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what she is saying is, I'm going to be in complete control of this form. And if I am complete control of it, nobody else can program it. And that is big. So then nobody's gonna say, oh, let's go have a chicken pox party where the boundaries become let down, which then can lead to chicken pox and then lead to um, shingles. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, she'll so be herself standing in the moment, even if somebody does take her to a chicken pox party and say, right. Well, no, I don't need this. Sovereignty. Right. Yeah. You know, and it was really interesting because, and I mean, and right now, I kid you not, she's four and a half months old. She sits up. Um, she's, you know, she rolled over at two and a half months. I mean, she's so far ahead because, I mean, she's just got this tunnel vision mission. It's absolutely hilarious. But she said to me, she's like, because I said to her, I said, how, how do I do that? And she said, it's so much simpler than what you think. She said, there's so much that you do that you don't even understand that you're doing. You just do it. Even as simple as opening my hand, reaching for a cup of tea. And she said, if you start to connect in with the body and say, okay, I'm going to move my index finger, then move it. That creates a connection. And it creates the connection of, I tell this body what to do. Mm. And it can also create the two-way communication because if you're having physical problems, you know, particularly with these crazy energies, right. a lot of us are having issues and it's communicating and going, okay, what do you need? Yeah. What do you need? Right? And listening and listening. So it's, it's a commanding, but it's commanding from a leadership point of view of asking those that you're commanding of what is it, what can I do? to make it so your job is easier. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really coming from that. So it's been quite a journey, you know, these past three months, understanding 
the physicality of it all. And you know, and on that note, so many are having headaches. Have yeah, you been experiencing any headaches? Ease what's going on right now. Yeah. So I, I was communicating, I was asking him like, okay, talk to me here. What is this deal with the headaches? I have clients who are just, they're really, really struggling. And they said to me, they said, well, you know, the brain is rewiring. So there's a lot of rewiring going on in the brain. Now, like any type of injury, any type of growth, there is inflammation. Inflammation isn't a bad thing. It's actually a sign of healing as long as it's not chronic inflammation, two totally different conversations. So, you know, they said to me, they said, what you need to do is start telling your cranium to go back to being a newborn, to when the bones could shift. And really communicate that you have permission to shift. You have permission to move and working with it that way. I mean, I have talked to, and it's happened to my son, to me too. I put on a hat and my hat is tight. I mean, it's a hat I've had for probably five years. And all of a sudden, like, my hat's tight. My earphones that I wear, you know, get tight and I'm going, what is this? It's that expansion. Mm -hmm. So it is very, very physical. So it's talking to the body and saying, you can move. You have permission to move. And what's fascinating is when you tap into that, go back to the thought of a newborn, how they have that you know, soft spot right here. Everyone's really careful. They, everyone, everyone wants the bones to harden up. They don't want them to be soft because it's dangerous. So that's the information that the body has. So it resists shifting. It resists moving. I experience a thing where when the vibration increases or frequency, however you want to say it, increases, there is a space and time where I can feel my body's not caught up yet. And it's almost like a, oh, it's not comfortable in my body. Like, come on, here we go. Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know, and sometimes nature walk or Epsom salt bath or something like that. And when it happens, just like a, <sighs> so I can see like that thought pattern or that belief system that okay it's dangerous you know that sensation of I was like oh oh what's going on right now <laughs> right and then that ease where it finally realizes ah okay we just need to catch up right right, right. oh that's fascinating well and it's really about can we let this body shift as it needs to mm -hmm. there's no manual there is no manual for what we're doing right we just have to go with it and figure it out as it's, it's happening all we can do and, and then we, we have to look next time we can go okay body here we are again we just need yeah. to do that. so take some time right yeah you know and and it's it's really about giving the body full permission to do what it needs to do and they they really brought up to me a dog if it doesn't feel good it will go eat grass so it throws up you know, it can't be fun to eat grass, mm -mm. but it knows I need this. So I, you know, I eat it, but we tend to look at things the minute that we're struggling, the minute we're uncomfortable in our own skin, we look at these things as so negative and we want to fix it. But sometimes the fixing means something that's also uncomfortable, like throwing up, but we have the belief systems that if everything's right, everything should be perfect. Yeah. And that can be quite limiting too. Yeah, sometimes we have to be uncomfortable. I know. The next thing, it's unfortunate. It is. So 
much. Okay, so how do we differentiate? Because there's a lot going on, not only within us, but outside as well. So how do we differentiate between what's going on within us and what's going on out there? Ask. It is, and honestly, it is as simple as that. It's dropping into that heart space and going, is this mine? And feeling it. What does truth feel like in your body? So if it's truth, it'll resonate in your body. It's like, it, it, it'll be a yes. And it will, whatever your yes feels like. And if you don't know what your yes feels like, start playing with that. Start turning your body into the lie detector, if you will, to where it's okay. You know, if um, I can even play with things and say, my eyes are blue. And going, hmm, what does my body feel like as I see that? Mm -hmm. And tapping into what does dissonance feel like? What does, you know, the opposite of what I'm wanting to feel, what does it really feel like? So that I can understand the communication of my body. So that when something happens and energy comes in and I can go, is this mine? And if my body's like tightening up, then I know, no. Mm -hmm. But that's my signal. And if you've already done that work, then you've gained trust. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like opening up a you know, line of communication. And if it is mine, then I go, oh, crap. <laughs> and then I might go take a bath and I might meditate and go, I need, I need to see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes this goes back to the fact that we want things to be good and easy and perfect all the time. And they're not. And the they're not can be in the absolute highest good. You know, there was, um, there was a time I was really, really struggling with you know, self-worth stuff and confidence and can I do this and can I do that? And it was kind of ugly. You know what I mean? It's just that inner talk, that, that inner critic, it's not, it's not nice to yourself. But I was struggling, really struggling with breaking that habit, shifting out of it. And I literally said to the angels, I'm like, I give you full permission to show me what I need to know so that I can work through this. And I was like, no ease and grace. I tend to add ease and grace to everything because, you know, I, I like ease and grace. Um, and, and I'm like, but no ease and grace. Just I, I, I need real help here. I'm tired of going into these circles. Right? Mm -hmm. I kid you not. Within two, three hours max, I hear this, you know, scream upstairs i go running upstairs it's one of my daughters and she's on the floor and she's upset I'm like what's going on her boyfriend had broken up with her and i'm like all right and she's you know she's kind of doing this whole thing of what is wrong with me how come i'm not good enough and i just told her i said honey if you could see you like i see you you wouldn't be saying these things and then it was like ding 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 <laughs> the universe was like See, we see you. So if you could see you as we see you, you wouldn't continue this behavior. Now, they got back together. They've been together ever since, probably six years ago. You know what I mean? It literally was this blip in time. By the time I woke up the next morning, they were completely back together. So all of that chaos, all the tears, all the drama was literally so that I would get this message. Oh, what a great lesson. I mean, it really was. I mean, because there's nothing worse than seeing your kid self-depreciate themselves. Mm -hmm. When you see them in, in their incredibleness, you know? And so it's very similar to, I think, that how we are viewed. 
by, you know, we could call it God, source, universe, whatever word you want to use, we are really viewed as these incredible beings, so full of potential and light and uh, an inexhaustible amount of love. But we don't see it. So, you know, when I tell people, I'm like, you need to ask for help and you need to give full permission to be helped. I always tell them, I said, just be prepared. It doesn't mean it's going to be fun. You know, I mean, because it, it's not fun when, <laughs> when your kid is on the floor crying and hysterical and you're kind of going, uh, you know, what do I do? That's not fun. Yeah. And how can we do that for ourselves? You know, Ask. we're in those moments, right? When we've hit a when, when we're on the floor? When we have, yeah. When we do that, you know, this, then how, you know, looking to that experience and then engaging the self-compassion. Okay. How am I viewed? Yeah. Yeah. I'll start the inner self-talk. Well, I would recommend writing. Honestly, take it, you know, take a sheet of paper, fold it in half, start, or however you want to do it, just start writing everything that you're thinking, feeling everything until you get that, you call it like the big sigh where you're like, okay, it's out. doesn't matter how ugly it is. doesn't matter, you know, how brutally you were on this piece of paper. does not matter. But once you get that sigh, tap into the heart space and start writing from the, the perspective of your highest self. But you have to get all the angst out first. You have to get all the human out, you know, everything that's kind of going in your mind so that you can then pop into the heart space and really, it's almost like an automatic writing, but just write as if you were the one talking to the one that's having the problem. I mean, so many of us do this for our friends. Right. So it's a matter of almost compartmentalization, really. It's seeing yourself as separate so that you can bring yourself into wholeness. And this would be great for shadow work. And we're kind of doing a little bit around shadow work right now anyway. Yeah. (laughs) And you do shadow work, inner child, past lives. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of this was taught to me by my team during the, the years I was in bed and working through my own stuff. Um, you know, and like for the shadow work, it, it was such an interesting thing. What, how things organically happened for me. I was in the shower. I was listening to a song and my shower literally opened up to a cave and I was like, I just wanted a shower. And you know, but this is how my life works. And so I'm looking in the cave and I'm looking towards the back and I can see myself turned away from me. Right. And I go back, she turns around, she's got warts, her teeth are jagged and sharp, man. She was rough, rough. And it was probably, I'd say late twenties, thirties age range. And I'm like, Hi, you know, and I'm kind of like, you know, what is all this craziness? And she's like, what? She said, you're looking at me as if you don't understand why I look like this. And I was like, I don't understand. She said, you made me. And I said, what do you mean I made you? And she said, every time you said you were fat, every time you looked at your butt and didn't like it, every time you said you were ugly, every time, she said, who do you think took it? I still get teary-eyed when I think about it because I would never, ever talk to another human being that way. Right. 
I wouldn't. But yet, I was talking to myself that way. You know, through all the years, all the programming, everything that we're, you know, slogging through. So I apologized to her. And I was like, what can I do? And she said, you can change. And I was like, okay. And, and it was like, I kept one foot in that cave. And then over the next period, it was months, um, I would constantly check in there. But then whenever I did anything self-depreciating, I would go, oh, sorry, I'm a work in progress. I have been kicking my own butt my entire life. Bear with me. Now, the interesting part was I would pop back into the cave and the cave started changing. So originally, I mean, it was damp and wet and like, ew. And then all of a sudden it started becoming homey. There was a chair, there was a fire, you know, her face started changing. My face started changing. The warts would leave kind of like, I can't even remember the movie. It was like Nanny McPhee or something. Like as much as the kids loved her, like the, you know, her face got better and better. And, and so I was continuing to work with it that way. And I was really beginning to understand more of my shadow because that's what this was. It was the parts of me that I had abused and mistreated and shoved down. It was the parts of me, you know, that wanted to be liked, didn't want to speak my truth, wanted to hide in the cave. Mm -hmm. And it was, I mean, I think it was a good nine months really. And I was at a concert and a song came on by the revivalists. And I don't know if anyone's familiar with them, but it's the song about, you know, it was a sin. It's talking about this woman turns away from him. He's like, I just need to see your face. He's like, don't turn away from me. I need to see your face. And it brought me right back to that beginning moment of when she was turned away from me in the cave. But then all of a sudden it was like, boom, she was right in front of me at the concert. So, oh my God, you're out of the cave. She's like, I am. I started crying. You know, thank God I mean, it was dark and nobody could see me. And, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what I did you. She's like, it's done. It's forgiven. It's forgotten. And she's like, it's okay. And she literally like flew into my heart chakra. And it was the most amazing experience. Oh, really? And it was unbelievable. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of ways that we, things that we do, we would never do to someone else. Yeah. You know, and so sometimes we have to look at ourselves that way. You know, and you get people, particularly if they have trauma, that you get them working on inner child work and they don't stick with it. And it's because they see it as themselves. But if you can help people to say, that five-year-old's alone. Would you ever leave a five-year-old alone? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and most of these people are the sweetest souls you would ever want to meet. And then say, well, no, I would never do that. I'm like, okay, let's give this five-year-old a different name. And now your job is to mother and love that five-year-old. And then we can talk about later. Once you've gotten to the groove of loving that five-year-old, why you couldn't love yourself. Mm -hmm. But the first step is that connection. And sometimes that means a little bit of disassociation of, okay, that five-year-old, we're going to name her Barbara. Because if it's Jenny, I'm leaving her in the field. Wow. And so really working at it from that point of view. Mm -hmm. And then you can go, okay. Wow, that disassociation part is amazing. I'm it is. That. 
No, no, it is. And, and it's really interesting because like psychology, they'll tell you not to do that. <laughs> yeah. Man. <laughs> but sometimes you have to in order to get to the heart of the matter. And then you can turn around and go, okay, what, what is it within me that wouldn't let me love my own five-year-old self? But I can love anyone else's. Mm -hmm. And then how do we bring that part back in? The same way, really. It's, it's you work in both worlds. So wherever your inner child is, and if you ask where that inner child is, you will find that there's usually a location. It could be a childhood home, it could be a forest, a cave, a well. You'll be surprised at some of the places that our inner child will run off to, mm -hmm. to feel safe from whatever it is that had transpired in our life. And so you meet them there. And I tell people, I'm like, have fun with it. If you knew, you know, here's your little six-year-old self. If you knew you wanted a pony, bring that baby a pony. Bring her cupcakes. Create the relationship because most inner children do not trust adults. Right. They don't. Often it was the adults that hurt them. Mm -hmm. So they backed away going, I don't know about this whole adult thing. So you have to build a relationship with them. You have to. You have to build trust. They have to know they are safe with you, that they will be held and they will be loved and they will be cherished. So you work in their world and you simultaneously bring them into yours. So when you're doing something, um, and if you have your own kids, it, it makes it a lot easier. When you are loving on your kids, when you are playing with your kids, that's when you think of the, your inner child and go, see, my world's a little different. And if you were with me, you would understand, you would feel this, there's joy here. Now on the same note, let's say that there, you've got an inner child who ran off and hid because there was child abuse, there was trauma. But here you are now as an adult in an abusive relationship. That inner child isn't gonna come home and they shouldn't. So they're gonna stay where they are and you're gonna continue to have issues until you are able to stop recreating the conditions in this reality, right? And that's where it can get really touchy. So you can still interact with them in that other reality, mm -hmm. but your first job is to keep them safe. And if they're not going to be safe in your reality, you can't integrate them in. Wow. So it's a process. And a lot of people, you know, I've noticed a lot of inner child work it's fast. It's a meditation. It's this. Oh, connect in. I personally, for me, what I find is that if you connect in with your inner child that you haven't connected with in 20 years and you say hi and you tell them that you love them and you're, they're so amazing and you want them with you and you need them and then you stop speaking to them. You want to talk about a temper tantrum? <laughs> All your stuff will start coming up because that, that, that child is like, are you kidding me? You're just like all the adults that left me down. Mm -hmm. So it, it's really interesting. So the way that I walk people through the inner child work, it's lengthy. It's a relationship. And what happens is one day, you know, let's say the child's in a well. One day you'll go into the well and you'll realize, oh, the well's shorter. It gets shorter. It gets shorter. And then before you know it, they integrate right back in. And with that comes healing peace but it's not it's not an easy thing it's work 
That is a beautiful way to reintegrate pieces of ourselves that we've left behind, Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that way it's not... But in shock. Right. It's ease and when it's ready to reintegrate. Yeah. And it's on their schedule, not yours. Right. And so, and that's important too. And it's also really understanding these inner child pieces, they're magic. You know, part of the reason that they disconnected off, part of the reason that they kind of went into their own little world is because the world told them that who they were, what they believed, what they saw, what they heard wasn't real. Think about the imagination. Right. How many children lose their imagination? And actually, I have multiple age kids. I have the ones that are the 20-somethings that, you know, have babies, and then I have an 11-year-old. So I have this really big gap and I've actually noticed that the kids today don't have the imagination that the older ones do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's electronics. I don't know what it is, but it is concerning because what I've really come to understand is imagination is your doorway to your higher self. It is your doorway to spirit. It's like, it's how we get to the door. It's how we knock on the door. Say that one more time. I was just talking about this yesterday with my two younger kids. I have four boys and my two youngest are 13 and 16. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about getting outside, playing basketball, going for a walk, disconnecting from the devices because they're missing a huge opportunity to connect with their creativity, their imagination for spirit to be able to give them guidance and what's the next break from or next thing. Yeah, there's a lot getting lost there. There really is. There really is. And it's how, to, how do we help them navigate that world? It's not an easy, it's not an easy thing. So easy to keep it going, 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 and never have that time that you're listening. Yeah. Because we've got so much coming in these days. It, absolutely. And a lot of them, I, because I, I, I noticed it in my 20s, I think it's a lot more uh, with the, you know, the ones that are like 11, 12, and then you've got the real littles where it's, wow, it's really, it's a whole lot. The, they are more and more and more and more vibrationally sensitive. Yeah. And some of the devices are a coping mechanism. Yep. (laughs) And, but what it does, and it was actually, uh, Rowan, the grandbaby who said to me, because her dad's a gamer. Um, said to me, I don't like when he plays these games because then I get a busy signal. So she's constantly trying to telepath her parents. Um, my daughter can receive some things, you know, and she's, she's learning really quickly. Um, but it's like when my son-in-law is gaming, it's, it's a busy signal. Yeah. And that's what it does. It scrambles the field and it just makes it so we're not connecting. It's it really... It's very, very interesting what it does. Right. And so the loss of imagination, it's concerning because it is your doorway to spirit. It's like it gets you to the place where there's a doorway. You turn the door, you open it, spirit meets you right there. Yeah. But if you can't use the imagination to get to that doorway, spirit can only go so far. And what, But that's one of the reasons why we have angel numbers and we have you know, animal messages and we have all these things. But you have to get yourself to that point to where you would even know that stuff. 
Yeah, let's talk about that. We were talking about that. Let's finish up with that. We were talking about um, being connected and being aware and seeing the magic in the world and seeing how everything falls together. So let's talk about that to end up our interview for today. Well, you know, I, we, we touched briefly on this whole cat scenario. Yep. I love cats, okay? I have a cat that will pop from my bedroom down to the um, downstairs bathroom and like he's created a portal. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> and it's so funny because, you know, then, you know, Merlin, who I like to work with will say to me, he goes, he's showing you the possibility. He's like, you keep thinking you have to walk down the stairs. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. But so one of my daughters, I met her when she was nine. And she was a neighbor's daughter. And the summer I met her, we picked up a kitten at the animal auction. This is farmland, so there's animal auctions. <laughs> and we bring home this kitten. And whenever... Um, Katie, who's my daughter, whenever she would come over and spend the night, which was a lot, um, this cat would always sleep with her. But I always thought he was my cat, okay? What, what, what did I know? And so when I got Katie's custody of Katie at 16, we actually picked up from Maryland and moved to Colorado. And so she stayed with me for a few years, graduated high school, did her thing. And then she wound up going back to Maryland where, you know, she wanted to be and felt comfortable so she this cat well he was a barn cat and he did not he was not thrilled at the thought of moving to Colorado so I didn't know how that was going to work and I was like you know we're going to move you but we're moving out to the plains there's coyotes you have to stay inside yeah that didn't work he just he like peed all over the walls Right? And I'm like, you're going outside to go get eaten by coyotes. Like, I, I can't do this anymore. Well, he never got eaten by a coyote because he, he is the most amazing cat you would ever want to see. I mean, he has a snaggle tooth. I mean, he's just hilarious. And so I moved multiple times until we finally settled in this house. And each time the cat, you know, did his thing, he stayed along with us. But then I started noticing that he would be gone for like two weeks at a time. Like, what are you doing? Where are you going? And I would always worry about him. At this point, he's 14. Okay, so old man. And one morning he comes in, we have a doggy door. He comes in, he snuggles with me. And as he's leaving, he tells me goodbye and thank you. Oh. And I'm like, oh. And I just knew. And I couldn't, I couldn't tap into him. I couldn't feel him on the earth plane at all. And I was like, you know, he's gone. Okay, you know, sometimes animals will go off and die. That's what I thought had happened. Yeah. So a year later, Katie comes out and she's expecting a child. And so she comes out for a visit and she'd come out quite a bit. But, you know, this time, you know, here she is. She's pregnant. She's due in January. Um, and that one was born on January 15th. So I had two grandbabies born within four days. Like, absolutely craziness. So here we are. It's been a year since I've seen Bailey and Katie gets here. And then there's this woman driving around. She said, this cat popped up. And so my little one looks at the picture on the woman's phone. And she goes, mom, it might be Bailey, but don't get your hopes up. Cause I was kind of heartbroken. I mean, I, I put up posters and just cause he told me goodbye. didn't mean I was ready to say goodbye. So, I mean, I had searched for him. And so there was a little bit of heartbreak. I couldn't believe it when I saw the picture and it was Bailey. I'm like, no way, no way. 
So we go and we get him. It's literally around the corner. And so we go and get him. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he comes in the house. He's all happy. He's kneading. And, and because he had a snaggle tooth, he drool on you. So he's doing all this. He's happy as can be. And so he slept the entire week with Katie. The night Katie flew out, a cat runs off. Wow. Right? And I'm like, what? And I'm asking questions of spirit. They said he had frequencies that the baby needed. And this was the way that Katie would accept it. Okay, great. So, um, but then it was like the next day, my other daughter comes driving by. She sees him. She snags him. She brings him inside. And he was acting really weird. And he was cold. So he curls up and he's, I mean, hard cold. And I'm like, oh man, he's barely breathing. And so my daughter, she's like, mom, maybe he just came home to die. Like maybe hours go by. This cat is barely breathing. He's freezing. I'm like, you know, he's 15 at this point. Okay. Well, then he pops up, right? Fine as can be, except he no longer had a snaggle tooth. He didn't know what a litter box was. He didn't know the doggy door. He was terrified of my dogs. And he is looking at us like, who are you people? So my husband's like, maybe he had a stroke. I'm like, uh, maybe. So I contact an animal communicator. And she tells me, she goes, are you ready for this? And I said, you know, at this point in time, I think I'm ready for anything. And she says, well, I've got Bailey, your cat, in the angelic realm. And then I'm communicating with the cat that's in Bailey's body. And I said, you're kidding. And she goes, no. She said, Bailey came down from the angelic realm to do the work that he needed to do with this baby and with Katie, because it's always been Katie's cat, I guess. And, you know, but the work is done. So he popped back up to the angelic realm. And the, basically what, I, what was explained is the body transfer happened the year prior. Wow. But because Katie needed the frequencies, the cat came in, came back here. And here's this poor cat in my house looking at me like, who are you people? And we did our best to keep him in and he left on Halloween night and it was, that was it. I haven't heard anything since because he really, he didn't know us in any way, shape or form. Um, so it, it was fascinating to know that, look at the length spirit will go to. Yeah. To bring you what you need. And the only difference between me and anyone else says, I was aware of it. I was aware of the lengths that spirit went to. It doesn't mean that spirit doesn't do this for everyone. It does it for everyone. Everyone. And, you know, it's such an amazing, amazing thing. And then it happened again. Um, Katie in Maryland had this cat pop up and he was old and just a hot mess, right? And gave her more frequency. She's like, mom, it's, it's Bailey. I'm telling you it's Bailey. I said, I believe you. I said, at this point, I, I mean, it's, it's Bailey. And then, you know, eventually it was like within weeks, the cat had actually started to pass. And she said, I felt Bailey leave the body. I felt this other cat there. And it, the cat was feral and it was trying to tear her up. And so she's like, oh my gosh. I mean, she said she saw the switch. She literally saw the transfer. Wow. And so Bailey had come in through a cat that was, you know, close to death and very old and, you know, beat up feral cat that had been in the woods and came to do whatever it is that he needed to do. 
And so who knows, Bailey's going to pop up again somewhere, somehow, you know, it's like the never ending cat. But it's fascinating because it really did show me just, wow, we are so loved. Even through all the craziness, we are so loved. We are so supported. And we are absolutely going to get through all of this. Yeah. Thank goodness. Oh, what a great way to end up. You want to, on that note, <laughs> which is beautiful, by the way, why don't you go ahead and share with our listeners how they can reach you and what you do? So you can reach me on my website. It's uh, I'm sure she'll have it because the last name is an interesting one. Um, it's S-C-H-I-L-T-Z. And I offer one-on-one sessions. I also offer classes. I created everything that the angels taught me is in online self-study courses for people to take. And it's audio courses. So you listen to um, everything that I'm saying and you learn and you do the exercises through it to walk you through what, what I went through, really, um, as to part of my journey. The one-on-one sessions, they really are dictated by spirit. So some come to me and they just need help working through programming. Others need pure energy work. Maybe it's helping them with a past life. Maybe it's helping them with a physical issue. So it really depends. There's, I don't have, I don't think I've ever had two sessions that are the same. You know, I may have themes and that kind of tells me stuff that's going on in the cosmos. If I have a bunch of people with inner child work, I'm like, oh, the inner child energies are being stirred up in the collective. But it really is dependent on you and what your needs are. And I like that because it's, it's very, very personalized. And I hold um, inner circle discussions where I tap in, I work with the Galactic Council, and we get information's on, information on like, what is happening now, what we can do, and how we can assist in the creation of the new and really anchor in, anchor in things into the absolute highest timeline of the absolute highest divine will of all. Um, so that's what we've been, as a group, I say we because of the inner circle we work as a group, have been working on. And so I'm absolutely, if anyone would like to join that, it's on the website under group work. You know, it's, it's really valuable, particularly now, because we need each other. Yeah, we do. And we, I do group work and it's, it's great. Oh, good. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And find her online, Facebook, Instagram, under Jenny Shelf. And yeah. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thanks everybody for listening. And I hope that it was beneficial for everyone that tapped in. Thanks. And thanks everybody for joining us today. Again, this is Liz Peterson on Raise the Vibe with Liz. Have a great day, everybody. And remember to get out there and raise the vibe. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's show on Raise the Vibe with Liz. If you like this content and want to support me, please go to Patreon at Raise the Vibe with Liz or click the link in the description of this show. And remember, change starts with you. So get out there and raise the vibe. Thank you, everyone.